coming to you from ACOG's annual scientific meeting in San Francisco. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz for ReachMD, and I'm joined by Dr. Hal Lawrence. He's Executive Vice President and CEO of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Dr. Lawrence, great to have you with us. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. The very first thing I want to ask you about, it's interesting to see, I don't see very often, but I don't see Executive Vice President and CEO paired up with the same individual all that often. How did that come to be? That's a good question, and it actually has become more common in many of the other medical specialty organizations. I think as these groups started, whether it was the internists or the family docs or the pediatricians or the surgeons, they sort of started with executive vice presidents because people looked at these jobs as really representing the organization from a medical perspective. And while we do that to a degree, there's been an ongoing realization that in many ways we're running large corporations and we have to have a lot of oversight, a CEO-type position. And so many of the organizations, their leaders are now both EVP slash CEOs. And some of them, interestingly, that don't have a physician as their chief executive officer, they have a, you know, an MBA or an attorney. And so they are not EVPs, they are just CEOs. So the groups that have docs sort of have both, EVP and CEO, and the groups that don't have docs just have CEOs. And there's still some who have hung on to just having the EVP, but those are getting fewer and fewer. Fewer and fewer. Interesting. Do you see any distinct advantages or disadvantages in coming to your organizational position from the vantage point of a physician? I mean, I can easily make some cases for why this would be advantageous, but for some, they kind of come in and they say, you know, between the clinical medicine and the executive management, sometimes the two do not intertwine in ways that I would have expected. Did you find that to be the case for yourself? Well, you know, it's interesting for me because I sort of have had a three-part career. I was actually a private practitioner for like the first 14 years of my career. And then I went back into academic medicine and helped start a residency program and created a new department in Western North Carolina and ran that for the next 15 years. So I was, at that time, about 60% doctor and 40% administrator. And then I got brought, came up to uh, D.C. to first be the vice president of practice at ACOG and now the uh, EVP CEO since April of 2011. And... My job now probably is 60, 70% administrator and 30, 40% doctor. But I do think we're a membership organization. So we're representing physicians and other OBGYN types of providers. And having that experience as one of those providers, having been in the delivery room, having been in the operating room, knowing what the concerns and the issues are, Having run a practice, I think, is much better to be able to relate to our members and to see what we should be doing organizationally to help them. About a third or 40% of my time is I am speaking from the perspective of a physician. When I go up and meet with a senator or a congressman or a congressional committee, or if I go meet with somebody at the AMA or at the Council of Medical Specialist Societies, we're talking about the practice of medicine and how we need to be improving or modifying or what we need to be doing. We're not talking about how I create my budget or how I review the HR policies. We represent, as a physician, that side of our organization, which for the non-MD CEOs, they don't do that. Right. I mean, they are not representative of their organization. They are, they are managing their organization, 
but they don't represent it. And I don't represent it all the time. We have our presidents, our, who you've interviewed several of this morning, and other positions who are members that we ask to represent us from time to time in different issues. But I'm sort of the fallback. You know, when you can't get this person or that person, and we got to go meet with the senator, well, we'll go ask Mikey. Mikey happens to be Dr. Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have to completely bisect your brain in order to, to make those two processes happen between looking at the corporate executive elements of, of ACOG, for instance, and looking at the clinical initiatives of ACOG and being the role of Mikey, as you say? No, I don't, I don't think you can do that. I think you have to be able to not bisect, but integrate, because you have to be able to justify the clinical initiatives from a financial and staff perspective. So you really, they're not, they're not two separate things. They really have to integrate together. Do you think it complicates or enhances the process of being able to look at a clinical initiative from a financial perspective at times, be able to see it from there? Does that I, only provide a more three-dimensional view, or in some ways does it obfuscate the, the... No, I think it's facilitatory. I think, yeah, to be able to see the whole 360-degree perspective. Huh. So take me through a little bit the day-to-day -day of, of managing both the corporate and the clinical and the organizational, the advocacy needs of an organization this massive? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I can go in for a 8 o'clock meeting, let's say, with the finance team about a budgetary issue. And an hour later, I've got the head of HR in my office talking about a personnel concern. And then the next hour, I'm, I've gone up to the Hill to talk to a senator about making sure that women have access to contraception. And then I'm back talking on the phone with the Marcia Dimes about a prematurity initiative. It's a potpourri. And the interesting thing, you do have to shift gears in your head. Okay, now I'm looking at budget, and then I'm now I'm looking at medicine or practice, but at the same time being able to say, okay, how are we going to prioritize our resources to deal with these issues. And can that get confusing at times in terms of knowing which meeting you're going to be at at any given moment? It's not confusing from knowing which one you're going to be at. The interesting thing is you just have to be able to shift from one group of facts and, and knowledge base to another. That's what, what we do. What about priority levels right now? What's sort of deepest on your agenda for moving forward? Because again, you do wear several hats and it seems like at any given time, be it clinical or corporate or financial or otherwise, there could be some major priorities. Well, there are. And I think this is a very you know, critical time in healthcare in, in the United States. With the passage of ACA, is changing the way a lot of Medicaid patients are going to be covered and institutions and physicians will be reimbursed. The repeal of SGR and part of that with a real goal from the government to try to really eliminate or restrict fee-for-service medicine and move to a value-based reimbursement policy gives us the first of our focus areas. And that is, organizationally, we need to be really educating our members about how to adjust and how to survive in this new environment and how their reimbursement, which has always been fee-for-service, may well change over the next several years or decade. And how can we help them understand those changes prepare for those changes, and then hopefully successfully respond to those changes. So that's one. I think the second area is we are really focusing on our patient safety issues, maternal mortality and morbidity, trying to improve patient care for both gynecologic and obstetrical patients. And we do that through our council on patient safety. We do that through our educational documents. We do that through educational meetings like we're doing here. 
at our annual clinical and scientific meeting. And the third thing is we are also focused on educating our patients. You know, I think OBGYNs, as I used to tell our residents, the more you educate your patient about themselves, their body, what's going on, actually the easier it is to take care of them and the better patients they are. So I think we have a, a third mission there to educate the women of this country about what they need and how those needs are being met by their obstetrician gynecologists. Now I had the opportunity to speak to three presidential figures of ACOG. Surely they didn't say anything that I haven't already said. <laughs> naturally, naturally, of course. Although none of them took on the mantle of the role of Mikey, which I have to say is entirely exclusively your privilege. But That's okay. Um, that being said, each of them is coming in, or has come in, with a different set of priorities, a different set of initiatives that they really want to spearhead. But you, being in a very unique position of being able to have a more longitudinal perspective on a number of these initiatives, how do you sort of support the passing of the torch, the legacy of these initiatives, each of which seems remarkably important? Because after every initiative that I heard about, all of them seemed like they could consume all the resources of ACOG if they wanted to. How do you kind of maintain an oversight of all these different initiatives? Well, one thing that we've discussed and have recognized is that we cannot go one year in one direction and the next year in another direction. ACOG needs to have a real strategic plan of what we want to prioritize and then have the presidential activities integrate or work supportively into that strategic plan, not be unique to the individual president. Formally, I meet with the president five, six times a year, but we talk daily, every other day, several times a week about different issues. And so having communication, having good interaction with them, talking about where we're trying to get how this particular project will help get us there. I mean, when you look at Jeannie Connery's Every Woman Every Time, uh, Well Women Healthcare Task Force, and how that works into John Jennings' collaborative practice, team-based care, because that's the group that's going to be doing that, Every Woman Every Time Care. And then moving forward into uh, Mark DeFrancesco's strategic plan, showing us how this all needs to, to fit together and how we need to prioritize it. So I think we are being successful in trying to channel all the presidential enthusiasm into so we move it all together and not going in different directions. And I surely hope that's what they told you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, confidentiality principles and all. Okay. One thing I imagine as a point of feedback you must receive as somebody who does get to see things play out from year to year is that presidents who come in, they've got this one year, and of course they're getting indoctrinated through the year before as president-elect. They can be the past president as well, so they have a steady presence, and I really like the structure that you have. But that must be a challenge for them to come off the one year and say, I wish I had more time. Do you hear that kind of feedback frequently with the people oh, who are in this? Oh, uh, yeah, I do. But I think, you know, everybody has to recognize that the presidents are there for a year. They work hard. They help give us direction. But the ACOG staff and all the good folks we have in D.C. are there then to take those ideas and work with them and move them forward. You know, I, I remember when I was chief of staff of my local hospital, somebody told me, you know, it's a little bit of a frustrating job in that you come up with good ideas, you get them in motion, but most of them are not going to be accomplished during your term or your tour of duty. But they will eventually be accomplished. And... That's the key. We get to certain places with these projects, and their full impact 
will not be recognized for two, three years downstream, but they will be recognized, and the people will remember who put that ball in motion. And speaking of motion, do you find inertia and momentum, are those challenging points with an organization this large, or are there advantages in being this large as far as the kind of weight that you can carry across a number of different initiatives? Well, you know the answer to that. It's both. (laughs) Gravitas is a good thing. Being large, being respected, being out there for a good long period of time. So when you do say something, people really respect that you have done your homework, you have thoroughly evaluated everything, and you're speaking with good facts behind uh, your documents. At the same time, when you have large groups or large organizations, we can tend to get stuck in our ways a bit and always looking out and recognizing that we need to be facile and responsive takes people to you know, say, okay, you got to rethink how we're going to do this because we can't take a year to make this statement. It's a fact of life, and it's one that we continually relook at and see what's the best way to approach it. A very nice philosophical point of view as a way of closing our, our interview. Is there anything else you want to add for our audience before we close today? Well, you know, I think ACOG really is the premier women's health care organization. And we, and our seal, it says, you know, we're women's health care physicians, and we are. And we're hard at work trying to improve the understanding and the science and the skills of our membership to provide excellent care to their patients. And we're hard at work to make sure that the public knows that we're a great resource for health care information for all women. So it's been a privilege to be here. Thank you. Well, with that, I want to thank our special guest, Dr. Hal Lawrence. He's Executive Vice President and CEO of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. We've been talking about his career story, his aspirations, pursuits, and, of course, the initiatives at ACOG. Again, thanks so much for your time, Dr. Lawrence. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. To access this and other episodes on ReachMD, do visit ReachMD.com. And thanks again for listening.